Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we started a series called Wonderful Words of Life, and today's word is grace. And it's, it's a good, good word, because on Confirmation Sunday is kind of like a wedding day. Things go wrong. And um, <laughs> you go with the flow, and you roll, and um, you also celebrate the grace that God has given you, and the grace of Jesus Christ, and all that he has done. And so today, we are going to celebrate grace. We've talked a little bit about love and mercy over the past few weeks, and, um, and today, again, I say the word is grace, and it's an incredible word. The series um, was born out of the hymn, Wonderful Words of Life, so I'm going to read some of those lyrics to you. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. These are wonderful words that that do um, speak to us. You know, it's been the trend um, the past couple of years to have a word for the year. I think grace is probably a good word to consider if you don't have a word yet. Um, the, The word grace comes to us from the Greek word Charis, which is the root for charity or charisma. And charity, as we know, is giving of ourselves to someone in need. And charisma is, is, is giving a gift of presence or grace in some way. Um, it's also from the Hebrew word hesed, which is, um, I know it most from the story of Ruth and Boaz and the kindness that Boaz showed to Ruth as he took her and Naomi under his wing and provided for them and ultimately they became part of the lineage of Christ. It's a word that represents loving kindness and unmerited favor and that's what grace is. But we don't really get the word grace. Grace is something you don't deserve but receive anyway. It's pardon. It's unmerited favor. It's winsome. If you think about um, about grace and its role in your life, when you have sinned, and we are all sinners standing in need of grace, every single one of us, um, and to think that someone else paid the penalty for us that we don't have to pay now. We are ransomed. That's a powerful thought. It's the centerpiece of the gospel. Romans 11 tells us that it's not a wage. It's a gift. It's a gift of God and his love. It's so un-American. It's so um, crazy to think about it. Um, In life, we have these sayings. um, How do we get things in life? We, what, we earn them. In life, we, um, we say no gain without what? Pain. You have to go to the gym and sweat to get in good shape. You have to run. You have to bike. You can't just get up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have all these muscles and be in great shape. Um, we don't get a paycheck because we do nothing. We get a paycheck because we go to work and we earn it. You don't get a good grade in your class because you just exist. You earn it. You have to write the paper. You have to do the math. Right, Dorothy? 
You have to, you have to dive in. You have to be able to put a deposit in the bank to do the accounting, right, Julie? It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's those common sense notions of to, to, to gain, you earn. But grace doesn't work that way. Grace is just given to you. Um, it's risky. Grace is one of those concepts that, um, that almost, I've heard people say, well, if grace is, is so wonderful, doesn't it mean I can just go sin and do whatever I want to and it doesn't matter because God's got my back? And we have to kind of have a conversation then about what it means to walk in faith and what it means to be Christ-like. But it's not a license to just go, but it, um, it's, it's so winsome that it's overwhelming and we just totally miss it. I can't count how many times my mom said, you know, the gospel message of grace is so simple that we trip all over it. We keep going, no, I have to do something to earn this. I have to figure this out to earn this. Um, in Romans 2, 4, um, these words are said, it's your kindness that leads to repentance. It's kindness that is shown to people that often lets them see Christ. We think about 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. We are often kindness and patience go hand in hand, especially when, when somebody's um, delaying something and you're impatient for something to happen and you want it to happen. It's, it can be hard to be kind. And so when we show kindness and we show love to people, especially when we're going through difficulties in life, we often show them a grace and that may or may not be deserved. Um, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, um, wrote these words in the hymn. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Throughout his life, he had had examples of a lot of corruptness, a lot of sin, a lot of, um, a lot of wrong living. And at around in his late 30s, he saw Jesus in someone. And it changed his life. And he began to write. And we sing those words. We sang them this morning in traditional worship. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Grace opens our eyes in ways that we cannot begin to fathom, and it changes us. Zacchaeus is a, is a prime example of this. When Jesus um, came through town, Zacchaeus climbed a tree so he could see him. Um, and Jesus immediately recognized this desire in Zacchaeus. And he told him, he says, I'm coming to your house today. And everybody around us, wait, like, wait, do you know this guy? This is the tax collector who has stolen from me. You're going to his house today. And everybody questioned. But Zacchaeus immediately said, God, come on. <laughs> because you... When he was seen by Jesus, when he was loved by Jesus, when he experienced that grace, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to repay back everything. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. He responded to that grace with grace for others. 
and it changed and it transformed him. He met sinners, he met tax collectors, Mary Magdalene, the woman caught in adultery, um, the woman at the well, person after person after person in the gospel meets Jesus and experiences grace and their life is transformed. Grace is demanding. When we are encountered with grace, we, we have to live up to what Luke twelve forty two tells us, and that is that to whom much is given, much is expected. John Bradford was a pastor in the 1500s, and he was preaching his sermon one Sunday, and outside the church, there goes a long line of prisoners on their way to be hung for crimes that they had committed. And people got up and started going to the window and condemning these prisoners. And they said, Mr. Bradford, come on down here. Condemn these people with us. They're, they're going to their death. They've committed crimes. And he stood there and cried. And he looked at them and he said, There but for the grace of God go I. He knew that without the grace of God that his sins would not have been covered, that he should be going to a death that is not covered by grace, but that he was. We often see grace in practical ways. Um, I have a friend who, um, she picked up her french fries, that's her weakness, and she picked up her french fries and decided she was going to the park to eat, and she sat down, and the next thing you know, she's, you know, she's reaching in the bag, grabbing her fry, and the, the, there was another person at the picnic table, and he reached in the bag and grabbed a fry, and she looked at him, and she's like, okay, you know, and um, she's like, whatever, and so they keep eating, and all of a sudden, he gets up, and he takes the last fry, and he breaks it, and gives her half, and tells her to have a good day, and he eats the other half, and she's like, well, <laughs> I mean, really? Like, he's going to take my last fry, break it in half, and tell me to have a good day. And he got up, and he walked off. And she got up to leave, and she looked down, and there was her bag of fries beside her. She had been eating his fries the whole time. Often we get so caught up in life that we don't realize what's going on around us and that maybe we need to be a little more aware or we need to open our eyes a little bit more. Who in here has been forgiven? Who in here has prayed the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Is that how we forgive? Is that how you want to be forgiven? That was a really powerful lesson in my youth. We had, uh, I had a situation with a friend that I had gotten sideways with, and I just, I plain didn't want to forgive her. And she didn't want to forgive me. We had both, you know, wronged each other, and, and it was, you know, it, I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember our youth director came and he said, okay, you pray every Sunday for God to forgive you the way that you are forgiving others. Is that what you really want? And it was powerful. And he said, I hope you'll show each other some grace. And by the end of the night, my friend and I had reconciled. We had made our peace together and we never let 
a barrier get in the way of forgiveness to our friendship. Um, don't let the need to forgive somebody weigh you down. There's so much grace that you can give and receive in the process of being forgiven. Grace is humbling. Um, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are told that for by grace we are saved. Lest any of us should boast. It's what Christ has done that has allowed us to experience salvation and grace. And we experience every single time we come to this table. We experience it every single time that we um, wake up and realize that, you know, I wasn't as kind to my spouse today as I should have been. Perhaps I need to ask for forgiveness from them. Perhaps I need to do more for them. Or... Maybe we snapped at our coworker um, because we were simply tired and we didn't know what was going on in their life and we didn't show them the grace that they needed. I often um, hear examples of how um, forgiveness goes a long way in extending grace. It's a partner hand in hand with love and mercy. All of this is a gift given to us without Price. And we talk about that in our liturgies, but we talk about that in every scripture that we learn, too. We love our rewards and our trophies and our crown tonight. There's a game I hear. Anybody going to be watching that game? There's a Lombardi trophy that will be given at the end of it. And, um, you know, we, we have different trophies and prizes that we receive in life, but none of those really matter in the grand scheme of things. In Revelations, we're told that we will lay those at Jesus' feet because he is the one who's worthy, just like we sang, you are worthy of your name, Lord. Faith is of grace. The work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us is grace. The work in these confirmands' lives and in each of our lives is grace. And we experience it in so many ways. When we read scripture, when we pray, when we um, come to the communion table, when we gather together and, and have fellowship, when we experience love in our homes. Don't forget that the mission field of grace begins with the people around your dining room table. That's your starting place. If you begin there and carry it into the world with you and bring it back home with you to sit down with those folks again at the end of the day, you'll probably continue to feel grace in your life. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul reminded the church at Corinth that God's grace is sufficient. These are words from a man who persecuted the church killed people because they believed in Jesus Christ, the giver of grace. And yet when he experienced that grace, he devoted his entire life to telling people that is enough, that is worth dying for. God's grace above everything else matters. We say grace in all that we do, and Ecclesiastes 9 reminds us that as long as there is breath, 
there is hope. God's grace is a grand and glorious mystery. It comes from Jesus Christ. Can we pull the scripture up now? I want us to read it together. This is about the source of our grace. It's from John. If y'all read with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did not receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If you have not embraced the mystery of grace and how God could give his Son to die for you, to take your sins upon himself, to go to the cross, to suffer that penalty, to be resurrected again so you could have life. Go back and look again. Go back and look again. If you don't say with Charles Wesley, and can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's my Savior's blood. If you don't say, and when I think that God, His Son not sparing, I care, scarce can take it in. If you don't say, amazing grace, amazing love, and feel that grace in your life, go back and sing it again. 
hope you have someone share with you the message of grace in a way that really hits your heart, that really makes you say, God, how can you love me that much? How can you give your son to die for me? I hope you've heard that message today. I hope you know that message. I hope you've experienced grace in your heart and in your life. And if you meet someone who's having a hard day, extend them some grace. And then perhaps tell them a little about Jesus. As we come to this table today, we encounter grace in a different way. Through the bread and through the cup, we experience um, grace in a way that becomes part of us, that we take it in as we celebrate what he's done for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would pour your spirit out on each and every one of us here and on these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. As we remember that he broke the bread and gave thanks to you as we remember that he took the cup and gave thanks to you and then asked his disciples to take these in to remember each and every time that they did how much he loved them, how much he wanted them to know the Father, you as Father, how much he wanted them to know the loving mercy and grace and the goodness of you, Lord. We ask that you would just Allow us to take that grace in. Carry it with us as a light and a beacon. Amen.